Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Wygen. Purple Mafia is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you for joining once again today. Maybe one day the sportsstuff.com will be back up and running again. I'm not sure what's going on, but it just kind of is what it is. So we'll just kind of keep going and... Uh, the uh, podcast will never end. The website might might end, or I'll find a new one, something like that, or start my own. I don't know if I can do that on my own, but <laughs> it's not the hardest thing ever. But it's a, a time thing. So, more importantly, at this day, at this time, the Minnesota Vikings defeat the Arizona Cardinals with a final score of twenty-seven to seventeen in U.S. Bank Stadium. <laughs> so yes, victory is ours, and. Well, a strange theme today. Well, there's a couple of takes you can come out of this. The Vikings running game finally kind of got going, and it really did. A lot of people expected it to when Arizona's uh, rush defense not the best in the NFL. In fact, one of the bottom in the league, and the Vikings took advantage and looked good. Had Kirk Cousins ran in a touchdown today, so you got to love what took place there. Other things not so great happened. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Um... You had some scares today. You had some lackadaisical play that just kind of dragged on, especially second quarter. It was like, okay, hello, let's go. And even in the first quarter, some frustrations. You had a terrible pass by Kirk Cousins. You had some weak, just overall situations happening. You had some questionable calls on offensive pass interference. I don't think Kyle Rudolph pass interfered. You didn't see as much uh, of the whole (laughs) roughing the quarterback today, so that's good. We didn't have to deal with that as much. You saw Josh Rosen play an okay game. He's he's certainly got a deep ball. Uh, does he have? Is is he going to be a great quarterback? I don't know. Obviously, it's way too early to tell. At the end of the day, sure you had the sample size in college, and he looked fantastic. Is his attitude in the right place? Mm, I don't think so, but we'll see. He doesn't look like the cockiest guy ever. He's not going to be Cade McNown, where he'll flame out within two three years. He'll be out of the league pretty much. I don't see that. I think he'll have a nice long career in the NFL. Him being Sam Rosen. I just called him Sam Rosen. And you know why I called him Sam Rosen? Because he was the play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, of the game today on Channel 9. Not of the Vikings, but on Channel 9. Fox 9. At least locally it's Fox 9. Uh, elsewhere it's, yeah, whatever your Fox local channel is. <clears throat> Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. Yeah. Nice deep ball, this and that. Uh, does he have potential to be a great quarterback? Because of the deep ball, sure, the accuracy is kind of, mm, and this and that, and again, the the attitude, I have no idea where to go. Confidence is good, but if it's a little bit too far, that can sometimes come back to bite you one day. We'll see. You could call anybody cocky, I guess, in this day and age, and probably be right. Minnesota Vikings won the game today. Adam Thielen is now, wow, he is totally in the history books, and he's continuing his historical run. It is now six consecutive Days, six consecutive games to start out the season with a hundred yards or more. If that isn't impressive, I don't know what is. So, and then you get uh, Rondé Barber and other people locally talking about this. How, oh, you know, he like, you know, he's not the most athletic guy in the world, but yeah, we kind of know why he's saying that. And yeah, dude, come on. <laughs> Just because a guy's white doesn't mean he's not athletic. And, yeah. Okay, so that's kind of silly. We don't need to go there, uh, Mr. Barber. So, God bless you, though. Nice uh, nice color commentating, I suppose, throughout the game. But that was not one of them. Adam Thielen can make a catch at any angle, any range. He can uh, leap up and make a spectacular catch. He can catch a ball falling down. It, 
completely improbable uh, angles and bring it in. And by the way, so can Stefan Diggs. Uh, Stefan Diggs becoming more of the uh, checkdown guy at times because of his herky-jerkiness. See, maybe Stefan Diggs is more of a herky-jerky guy. Okay, sure. But so a guy that can get open downfield and out-jump other players and such and, you know, actually catch the ball, like get open enough to make, be able to make a play. I think there's some athleticism uh, with Adam Thielen. If he wasn't fast enough, if he wasn't athletic enough, we would probably notice, and he would be a third wide receiver maybe, at, you know, this and that. Maybe he'd be a number two guy like Schrader was. And even Schrader was pretty good too, though, to be honest with Green Bay, but an ACL, that kind of, again, that's where your athleticism goes away. ACLs, well, as again, as I'll bounce around all over the place because we're introducing the, the show here. Well, Mike Hughes, yeah. Mike Hughes, non-contact, uh, him and Fitzgerald. You saw a lot of back and forth with Fitzgerald and uh, Mackenzie Alexander. Not so much trash-talking at each other at all, just back and forth. You saw some pass interference calls on uh, at least one on Mackenzie Alexander, which, mm, okay, he wasn't playing the ball. But did he really interfere with Fitzgerald? I guess. I guess that's the rule because he had his back to the ball, Mr. Alexander, anyway. But then, overall, Alexander had a pretty good day. Uh, he prevented a touchdown with... Uh, Mr. <laughs> Larry Fitzgerald today. But we'll get back to where I was. Uh, Mike Hughes, and we're going to be counting on McKenzie Alexander even more than ever now. Oh, yeah, because Mike Hughes, again, non-contact with Larry Fitzgerald, just kind of went down in a heap. You could see a hyperextension with his knee. It didn't look as dramatic as others may have been, but then all of a sudden he could put no pressure on it. And, yeah, unfortunately it's an ACL for Mike Hughes. What? So you can never just come out of a game and feel good about this and that and be all happy. We survived a day where Rashad Hill was the left tackle. No Riley Reef. You survived a day with Brian O'Neill starting and playing the entire game at right tackle. I thought he was okay. Most of the problems seem to come from the left side. And usually they do because the right defensive end is usually better than the left defensive end. Which, again, might be a permanent position for... Uh, <laughs> A guy by the name of Daniel Hunter. I think he's even better than Everson Griffin at this stage. And what will Everson Griffin be when he comes back? If he comes back, what will he be like? I don't know. I think you have your new right defensive end, by the way, in Daniel Hunter. What an amazing game today. But um, again, most of the rushes coming from the left side. Not the best situation. Compton had a penalty in the game. and Well, okay, offensive linemen always have a penalty here and there. But not the best one. This and that. Rashad Hill was adequate at times, but at the same, at the same token... He wasn't that great today at the position. Again, it's not his position. He's a right tackle, and he probably should be a backup right tackle or, you know, kind of a in-and-out kind of guy. Mike Remmers should probably be the starting right tackle, but we don't have a starting right guard. So the starting right guard is Mike Remmers, this and that. That's where the situation continues to remain. Pat line respectable, but again, he gave up a rush at, uh, at a point during the game. And Kirk Cousins through one of the crappiest passes you ever saw. I mean, you know, you could see the rush coming and all that. That is what it is. But it was like, I remember watching it. And as he was releasing the ball, as he was on the verge of releasing the ball, I was thinking, he's not going to pass there, is he? Hopefully there's someone there. No. And <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was watching on, on that interception. Um, it was kind of Favre-like a little bit. Not really across the body necessarily, but the decision was strange. Um, so I guess that's the old Chuck and Duck side of Kirk Cousins. Uh, as wonderful a quarterback as he is, mm, I don't know. Um, 
he'll he's he, he's going to have those kind of moments. And he had his second worst game today as a Minnesota Viking. And we'll notice his two worst games as a Viking have been at home. Hmm. Hmm. Little little added pressure at home, isn't there? Because you're kind of you're you're more or less supposed to win your home games, particularly against Arizona, Buffalo. So there's a little more pressure. The road team can be a little loosey goosey. Sure, playing in Green Bay is difficult, but the pressure is on the Packers, right? Sure, playing in Los Angeles, California, was uh, was the pressure was on the Rams. And not to mention the defending world champion, Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, okay, there you go, Eagles fans. You can say that for one year. I don't know how many more years you're going to be saying that ever again. But for this year, you can say it. <laughs> for this year. Um, the pressure was on the Eagles to win the game last week. And who won the game? The Vikings. And who played loosey-goosey? And who played spectacular football in every single road game this year, the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings offense was unbelievable in Green Bay. Unbelievable, un- insane good in Los Angeles. And freaking awesome in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, a place that the Vikings never win, ever. The Vikings almost never win in Green Bay, unless it's one of those wonderful Kings of the North type of years, which hopefully it will be again, and it was last year, but again, yeah. <laughs> a little tough when uh, the wrong Brett is your quarterback of the Packers, the the wrong Brett, not the golden Brett, the old-fashioned uh, Brett, Brett Hall, the old-fashioned Brett Favre. <laughs> Brett Hall, that's what threw me off, the golden Brett. <laughs> Stop it, Joey. Oh, Lord. Mm. Yeah, bottom line, though, the Vikings have played way better on the road than at home. Way, way better on the road than at home. And I even brought it up on a Facebook Awesome road games. You can't really mention a road game where the Vikings were terrible. Their defense stunk against the Rams. And the Vikings looked like crap in the first half against the Packers. Okay, generally speaking, because Kirk Cousins didn't show a whole lot of confidence throwing the ball down the field for some strange reason in the first half of the game. Nice, young, athletic secondary for the Packers. Questionable linebackers and a guy who's a little out of control. We all know who that is. The guy that likes to fly away in State Farm commercials. And, um, well... It was just an odd situation there. But then Kirk Cousins kind of started to gain the confidence again and realize who the heck are his receivers. Like, these these guys are not a joke here. This is this is Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, or Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. You could say Adam Thielen's the number one right receiver right now. Stefan Diggs you can get a little bit creative with, certain type of reverse plays and little cute little plays that work sometimes and don't work other times, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, almost wildcat type stuff which you saw at least one or two today. Uh, got kind of goofy in the first half, but interesting at the same time. Um, but the point is, look at the Vikings, their offense and their defense, <laughs> and a lot of times they're bleeping offense at home, how it's looked this year. Kind of shaky. You see yeah, the San Francisco game. It was okay. Kirk Cousins looked like a well-above-average quarterback. There were times he threw some passes that were meh, and then, his, of course, the offensive line protection was not good. And then you had the Buffalo game. Yeah, let's leave that where it is. It took, like, the whole game to score one touchdown, and, of course, he couldn't convert on a two-point conversion. But we were, we were only down by 27 at the time of the touchdown, then we were able to cut it, cut it down to 21 against the Buffalo Bills, a team who literally... I mean, they went right through our offensive line, like, again, like warm butter. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was a joke. It was a freaking joke. A hot knife through butter or warm butter, whatever you want to call it. Or as if they weren't there. Whatever it was, it was awful. It really was. 
And today, well, yeah, until the third quarter, this game was kind of scary. I mean, it was like 10 to 10, and then luckily Bailey was able to nail it. What ultimately wasn't wasn't the game winner, but it put the Vikings ahead, and the Vikings never trailed afterwards. So it was kind of a momentum, I mean, a nice momentum moment there, I guess, for the Vikings offense, a kind of a little confidence builder. Bailey able to nail one out for 48 from from 48 and a 37 yarder so he made both of his kicks and all three of his extra points so Dan Bailey there you go there's your kicker long term hopefully <laughs> God willing he will be the long term kicker for the Vikings at least the next two years or so he'll very very likely sign a contract in the off season unless something goes really awry from between now and then I hope not um, but this team needs to play better at home I'm kind of confused uh, they. Remember how great they looked against the New Orleans Saints in the first half? And, well, you know, yeah, we, we all know. Just a big drop-off. We've talked about it 15,000 times every bleeping show. Terrible second half. The defense wasn't the same. The offense just died until the miracle drive and the miracle play and all that. That was, And it took a miracle for the Vikings to win the game when they were whooping the Saints' ass. So, again, time to play better at home, guys. Getting knocked out of the playoffs at home when you're, you know, you're the better team and you maybe probably should have been the number one seed instead of the number two seed, all of that, and getting beat at home in the in the divisional round is not cool. That's not cool. And it almost happened. And this team needs to protect home field. I mean, if we ever get home field in the playoffs, it's going to be an uphill climb still for that, but we're working on it now. We're working and trending in the right direction. But we got to protect home field if this team is going to do anything. Um, but then again, okay, if you're 10-6 and six and you're the best road team ever and maybe you just knock off the Los Angeles Rams and break their hearts in the NFC title game, more power to you there. But magically, though, the home team in most of those tends to play a little differently, a la Philadelphia. So, point made, finally, now that I've rehashed it 1,700 times. Golden opportunities for the Vikings, and they didn't get the job done in occasions. They failed on a fourth down conversion. They, they uh, you, you had the interception. You had Kirk Cousins fumble the ball away after getting rushed the front one time, and then he got rushed again. You get the fumble. You throw, throw the stupid interception. David Johnson fumbles the ball away. You, or you have to settle for a field goal when you probably should have gotten a lot more. So that was frustrating. Um, you saw a running game that was completely different today. Now, of course... Latavius Murray's numbers got padded a little bit when he had a 28-yard run late in the game. So I have to mention that. That was great. But it was also the dagger that wiped out the clock and gave the Vikings an opportunity for the victory formation. So, again, there's always this one little cute chance that Arizona might pull off a touchdown, some type of crazy thing, and then do a squid kick and all that. But obviously that's unlikely. But still, it completely ended the game, that little 28-yard run, which padded his stats a teeny bit. But he still had a 34-yard run that was spectacular, which set up uh, Adam Thielen's touchdown. Latavius Murray also ran for double-digit yardage into the end zone with a great stiff arm that kind of led him in. 155 yards on the ground. He averaged about six yards a carry the entire day, Latavius Murray. Uh, That was great. Uh, Mike Boone with a burst forward, 20 yards right up the middle. And that was awesome. Um absolutely loved it. I believe that was actually Kirk Cousins' touchdown, but uh, it, you know, whichever one it was that ended up leading uh, from Latavius Murray, that that was the, yeah, the Kirk Cousins' touchdown was the one after that, yes. So, but yeah, Mike Boone's little burst up the middle, and then you saw Kirk Cousins fake, fake the handoff to Mike Boone, 
and then away went Kirk Cousins to the right, faked the pass, faked the handoff to the left, up to, through the right, and you actually saw Kirk Cousins scamper forward pretty quickly, and that was impressive. Seven yards forward, nice little burst of speed from Kirk Cousins, and well, you know, when you have that desire and the adrenaline starts pumping, regardless if you're a super athletic quarterback like Michael Vick or Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> regardless of what they are, so to speak, <laughs> athleticism can be there, right? <laughs> so we can say we can pass that on to color commentators, Michael Vick or whoever the heck the athletic uh, quarterback is. If it's Teddy Bridgewater with his, you know, he had a mobility, he was mobile enough for the for the most part, and then of course even even Drew Brees could move around a little bit, particularly earlier in his career. But a nice little scamper forward. Kirk Cousins, not necessarily known for it, but he can do it. Uh, we also used to, we also saw Peyton Manning fake a pass one time and run right up the middle past the Vikings due to our chagrin in Indianapolis way, way back in the Culpepper days. So quarterbacks that might not be the most mobile guy ever, it's capable and it's a possibility. Um, 14 yards for Kirk Cousins. He might have been the second leading rusher in most days this this freaking the last freaking week the last freaking six weeks leading up to today. But Latavius Murray 155 yards and well that's good enough for a little uh, post game award coming up. There were some nice moments for Arizona throughout the day today. Again that deep arm from Josh Rosen will be what which will be will be his path to success in the league as long as he can get the accuracy up. Him and Christian Kirk connected for a 75-yard completion in end zone last week. 35-yarder this week. No touchdown there. No touchdown passes for Josh Rosen today, but some nice little plays. Ricky Seals-Jones, again, RSJ, I guess they call him, in uh, Arizona. 40-yard long in the day. 69 overall yards. 77 for Kirk. And Larry Fitzgerald, again, some sh- mostly short yards. He's kind of, you know, that's kind of been his role the last last few years now. And that's kind of what Stefan Diggs' has role with the Vikings at times. But, of course, he can be open downfield as well on occasion. Um, nice play to Grisham also in the game. Only one play, but a good one. And luckily that was it uh, for the vaunted uh, Arizona tight end who's had some success at times, particularly with Cincinnati in the past. But we all know how tight ends have killed the Vikings not so much today, thankfully. Vikings defense was pretty good in today's game. Again, you're going against a rookie quarterback, but, well, we can't take that lightly anymore. And why would we? <laughs> Josh, the other Josh. Lord. Mm, I don't even want to remember that game, Josh Allen. Don't even want to remember that Buffalo game. But I had to because the Vikings looked like crap in the first half against Arizona today. And at moments in the fourth quarter as well. It was flat-out boring. After a very exciting third quarter, the fourth was flat-out boring. And, well, luckily, the Vikings had a strong enough lead that it didn't matter too much. 27-10. to 10. Well, 15 minutes is a long time, but Arizona was not quite up to the task. Adam Thielen, 11 catches on 15 targets, 123 total yards for Adam Thielen. Again, six games, the first, all, the first six games of the season, all over 100 yards. Adam Thielen's overall season is just off the charts awesome. Uh, got to appreciate what he's been able to accomplish. <sighs> Leading into today's game, Adam Thielen had 589 yards and three touchdowns. Now he's got four touchdowns, and good Lord. I mean, you just keep adding up the numbers, and you're just stunned at what you see. Um, it's just absolute beauty. That's Thielen now at 700 and <laughs> 712 yards. Again, the four touchdowns. Touchdowns numbers not spectacular yet, but you know they're going to keep coming up. And again, Stefan Diggs is capable of what he's capable of. 
throughout the course of the season. Adam Thielen, again, the 11 catches. So now that would make him uh, put him at 58 catches on the season. He's on course for some pretty crazy stuff. As you just kind of continue to look at these. I mean, we're talking 154 catches on the season. I mean, that's... <sighs> that's freaking crazy. 12 games in. Just if the Vikings just get to... I mean, if he just continues a pace like this, which I don't know how anybody can. You're going to have... He's going to have some game that's under 100, right? But I don't know. Maybe he won't. I mean, we're talking 12 games in. He would already be at 100... I mean, excuse me, at 1,400... 1,414 yards. I mean, 1,414. That's crazy. And then, well, you got four more games to play. So, geez, we're talking something on the likes of 17, 1,800 yards. And yeah, yeah, Adam Thielen's having a pretty good season. Um, I think his athleticism is just fine. I think it's just fine. The, the good news, too, see, Adam Thielen, again, when the, t- the touchdown numbers haven't been super sexy throughout his career, five touchdowns in his breakout year 2016, four touchdowns last year. He's already at four this year. So, well, I think a good quarterback makes a slight difference for wide receivers. And again, for the guy to get almost 1,300 yards last year in the fashion he did um, with Case Keenum, who's not a bad quarterback, but not on Kirk Cousins' level apparently. And well, again, you're seeing the difference. You're seeing the difference. Having a, having a really good quarterback makes a difference despite his flaws. But every quarterback has flaws. Favre gets a little radical at the end of the games and well, he does what he does. But throughout the season, he was just a freaking beautiful player. It's quite a shame that the Vikings were in a position that they could choke that away when they probably should have blow, blew that Saints team right out of that freaking place if they didn't fumble the ball about five freaking times in that game. Enough of that. So, again, Vikings defense absolutely awesome throughout the game today. Daniil Hunter was just, you know, just absolutely awesome. Uh, let's let's give credit to the Arizona Cardinals defense too, though. I mean, they got through the Vikings offensive line and did a good game. I'm giving a respectful little clap. Uh, Patrick Peterson, I didn't even mention him when I was talking about all the young, solid, awesome uh, defensive players in Arizona that were there during the Bruce Arians years as well, or getting started. They did lose Honey Badger in the, in the offseason, so that's nothing new. Trey Boston did get that interception, and he made a great play there. Um, just one good player after another. Chandler Jones, he's been very, very good over many years. Uh, Tack a sack and a half. He shared it with Marcus Golden, the linebackers who got beat up pretty bad through the with with uh, Latavius Murray and such throughout the game today. But they stepped up and they kept Arizona in the game. Corey Peters also defensive end, huge day, couple of sacks, five overall tackles in the game. So Arizona again, their their defense isn't that bad. They've had some crappy games. Uh, Buda Baker is just something else. I mean that guy, <laughs> his coverage was spectacular. Yes, you're going to get beat by Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs and Kirk Cousins. But again, an overall solid day as well. Nine sacks or tackles, pardon me, for this young rookie safety of Arizona. Uh, nice rookie class for the Arizona Cardinals. That's the one good part about sucking is you can get some really good players. Uh, the Vikings picked up some nice ones over the years, of course. The Xavier Roses and, of course, uh, Anthony Barr, Trey Waynes, guys that... Might be rough around the edges at moments, especially Anthony Barr. But the past couple of weeks, Anthony Barr's been fantastic. And you haven't heard me ranting and cursing about Anthony Barr up here at all. <laughs> even even Matt Weil had a good game. So, nice, solid overall day. Laquan Treadwell powered his way past two guys for a first down. And that's that's that Anquan Bolden style that I like very much. So, really, really appreciate what Laquan Treadwell can be on occasion in a third down situation. And he 
got the job done, at least in that particular play. You didn't see him drop easy, easy passes when he was wide open today. So at least you, at least you can come out feeling good about that. Four overall catches for Treadwell, and he caught all, all the targets. So targeted four times, 38 yards. Those aren't sexy numbers. That doesn't make him a number one pick in the draft. First, first round pick anyway. You could swap him with Stefan Diggs easily. Fifth round for Treadwell, first round for Stefan. Stefan looks like a first round pick. Adam Thielen is one of those weird, crazy, random things. I mean, you know, you think, oh, you could at least have taken him in the seventh round, but how many seventh-round wide receivers have ever really become anything? You know, the Staley Coley's and such, and you can go on and on forever. They never seem to do anything. It tends to be the undrafted guys that shock you more of than, say, the sixth, uh, fifth, and, excuse me, sixth and seventh-round picks. And then occasionally in the fifth, fourth, and fifth rounds, that's where you can really pick up some good receivers on occasion. You just got to... You just got to be good. You got to be good at what you're doing. You got to see special things in players. Maybe certain GMs out there were afraid of injury possibilities. And, well, Stefan Diggs has been hurt on occasion. But luckily, he's never had that big injury. And I shouldn't even be talking like that. Oh, Lord. Don't talk like that. God rest Mike Hughes' rookie season. Just like last year's rookie, Dalvin Cook, who we're still waiting on. We didn't see him play today either. So... Let's uh, shut up here and move on. <laughs> Gosh, that's kind of a long first first segment. Sometimes they're very short. Today's was long. Lots of lots of this and that to get to, and just strange, weird things as well. So you can probably guess what the <laughs> what the urban legend is going to be. The Fran Tarkington Award today. I'm going to give it to a couple guys. It's going to mostly be Latavius Murray. We'll have it like be gold plated, so to speak. But we, I also got to give it to Daniel uh, Hunter. Any type of hope that Josh Rosen had to get the Arizona Cardinals back in the game kept getting snuffed out time and time again. Um, so very strong performance for Daniel Hunter. And again, as I keep saying, Arizona's defense was great. I mean, the pass deflections were off the charts today. We're talking like 12 pass deflections here. Like, I mean, at least nine as it continued to just power up just to continue to, to rack up the past deflections throughout the game. It just mounted throughout the day. The day. Uh, defensive lineman knocking the ball away and of course safeties and such. So good overall game for the Arizona defense. Christian Potter Memorial today. Uh, you know at times I guess the right side of the offensive line wasn't so good. I don't really want to bash them. I mean it's, they're kind of limited and such but they weren't good. They weren't good, and it didn't help. I mean, again, defensive tackles and defensive ends and this, this, and that continually getting to Kirk Cousins every 10 seconds and able to bat the ball away. So the right side was really troublesome today. So I'm just going to generally give it to the right side of the Vikings offensive line. I got Rashad Hill and Compton. Just not a good game. But again, I mean, I'm, it's not a real heavy one, we'll say. The urban legend is why the Vikings can't play better at home. I mean, they are not good at home. Now, keep playing keep playing well on the road. We'll take that. It's irritating that the Vikings aren't 3-0 and on the road, quite frankly. I mean, the Vikings had a chance to score a touchdown and get a two-point conversion against the LA Rams. I think the Vikings' chances of doing that were outstanding, considering how well the Vikings' offense was doing. You score a two-point conversion, I mean, well, there it is. And you don't have to worry about the defense like stopping you, stopping the Rams and getting into overtime and surviving that. Perhaps you run the clock down enough that you score. And again, Daniel Carlson's multiple missed kicks against the Green Bay Packers also extremely irritating. 
uh, a, a, a loss and a tie that maybe just one of those two was, was missing right now, and the Vikings would be right up there with the Bears. So, in fact, we'd be ahead of the Bears at this moment with uh, four wins. So, pretty crazy to think about that. Just one little thing. So, <laughs> particularly the kicks. <laughs> but even the, even the Rams, it's amazing to think how close the Vikings could be. But uh, still, the Buffalo game, <laughs> ridiculous. Absolute well-deserved loss. So with that, we'll take a quick break, and we will get into the NFL Roundup. Of course, the NFC North Roundup, the Detroit Lions will be noticeably missing this week, and the Packers, because the Packers play Monday Night Football. So I guess the Bears are the only team in the NFC North. (laughs) Great. Minnesota will head to the New York Jets next week. Nope, of course, no Teddy Bridgewater will be on the Jets. We always thought it might be, but we'll play against another rookie quarterback, the third rookie quarterback already. Sam Darnold, it's your turn, buddy. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two, NFL Roundup. And, well, there will only be one other NFC North game to talk about today, the Chicago Bears versus the Miami Dolphins. Most of you know what happened there. A very interesting matchup, that's for sure. And, of course, we will wrap things up with this segment, as we always do with next week's game. This, of course, another nooner next Sunday. I guess the New York Jets and MetLife Stadium. No Teddy Bridgewater, of course. Sam Darnold will be the quarterback, and we'll talk about them. They're looking better. And it's a road game and the Vikings in New York, well, in MetLife Stadium or whatever stadium it was in the past, Giants Stadium or any others years ago, actually haven't fared too well there. So it's going to be quite interesting to see how things go between these two clubs in next week's game. As generally speaking, the New York Jets have had pretty good success against the Vikings. They had uh, wow, it's been pretty bad actually. Dating all the way back to 1970, the Vikings have beaten the Jets Twice. That's right, twice. So, yeah, we'll get back to that shortly. We'll thank Football Database for that. It's good to kind of look at the history, especially when it's a team that uh, you have you don't play very often because they're in the other conference. Uh, New York Jets historically 8-2 and two, uh, against the Vikings. And, yeah, we'll look at that in a little bit. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm, that's interesting. It's going to be a... <sighs> it'll be a nice... Let's just say it'll be a historical win for the Vikings if they win there which is kind of sad. Okay, let's get to the NFL Roundup shortly. (laughs) Kansas City will be visiting the New England Patriots as there were some connections between those two teams in years past and not at the moment, though. Remember, you had Todd Haley as the head coach. He actually was was with the Patriots at one point and ultimately the offensive coordinator with the Arizona Cardinals before his hiring and firing years later, this and that. Um, Romeo Cornell, other guys go to uh, Kansas City, obviously. Well, so we'll just let that continue. Of course, the uh, general manager went to Kansas City at 1.2. So, interesting situation there. Again, Green Bay will be hosting the San Francisco 49ers tomorrow. The 49ers are 1-4. and four, And, yeah, I don't know. Their door is closing for this year. Last week's opponent getting back in gear 34-13 to 13 over the New York Jets on Thursday night. And not a good night for the New York Jets at all. The offensive line there, just Giants, pardon me. The offensive line, not good. In fact, they're the New York Midgets when it comes to the offensive line. And nothing to do with size, just uh, 
you know, body of work. They don't look good. Philadelphia Eagles stomping on the New York Giants big time. Tampa Bay Buccaneers an entertaining loss in Atlanta. Atlanta Falcons very good today, 34 to 29. Much needed victory for the Atlanta Falcons. Still not the prettiest thing ever, giving up 29 points to Crab Leg Boy, but still four touchdown passes for Jameis Winston. <laughs> Jameis Winston, good overall numbers, almost 400 yards passing against an Atlanta defense that was supposed to be good. They're not good. So, they're just not. Uh, actually, a pretty good game by Winston. A couple of interceptions, though, along the way. Matt Ryan, pretty close to perfect for the most part. Very awesome game. Hooking up with Mr. Julio Jones, as he likes to, as he is wont to do anyway. Did not get in the end zone, but, uh, well, let's just say uh, Adam Thielen-like numbers. 143 yards, 10 catches. But, again, didn't get in the end zone. So, yeah, he's Adam Thielen, all right. He's not athletic enough. He's not athletic enough to get in the end zone. <laughs> Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper with a touchdown, 71 yards on the day. Calvin Ridley, others and such. So, good overall night for or afternoon or whatever it was for the Atlanta Falcons. Let's move forward. I don't want to spend too much time on one game because that's just kind of like, this isn't ESPN where we're going to go over all the games. This is supposed to be a Vikings podcast. The Pittsburgh Steelers end up winning over the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. So, unfortunately, Cincinnati Bengals looked like they were going to steal that one, scoring late, going up 21-20, to but the Steelers end up finishing the job in Cincinnati. So, kind of same old, same old. It would be nice to see Cincinnati win the division and finally do something in the postseason, but, yeah, well, I don't think so. I don't even want to look at that one. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, well, the Browns looking like the Browns again after a couple of nice wins, and I apologize, Vince Germano, for making that statement but well not a good game the LA Chargers now a couple wins in a row here 38 to 14 crushing of the Cleveland Browns Seattle Seahawks yuck terrible Ooh, Oakland is finished and John Gruden he's not going to get to Las Vegas is he but then again I don't know I, I suppose the money flow will be good enough to afford to get rid of John Gruden have you ever heard of a coach signing a 10-year contract because uh I don't know, it's starting to remind me of Zach Greasy and Ryan Suter already with the Minnesota Wild. But I suppose as a dedicated and frustrated Minnesota Wild fan, check out the Brave the Wild podcast. That's something I maybe wouldn't want to bring up right now. But yeah, well, I guess I kind of did accidentally. Seattle, 27-3. What, what's the point? I mean, is it Derek Carr, David Carr? What's, what's the difference? I mean, Oakland's just dead, and it's a complete joke. We'll save the next one for the NFC North Roundup. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we'll save the next one for the preview. That's high scoring for what it is. It's not the best team that the Jets went up against, but we'll talk about that again. The Kirk Cousins Club, former club there, of course, Alex Smith. Another Smith there doing a good job. Alex Smith helping the Washington Redskins to victory there over the Carolina Panthers. Kind of a good, uh, actually a pretty important game, to be quite honest. A couple of halfway decent teams trying to carve things out. Alex Smith did not put up sexy numbers, but the Washington Redskins are 3-2. and two. The Carolina Panthers are 3-2. and two. And again, 23-17 20, overall game. Neither quarterback stood out that great, but Alex Smith's accuracy and his, you know, just simply getting the job done was good enough, to be quite honest. And Adrian Peterson, the Adrian Peterson watch continues to be good. 17 rushes, 97 yards, almost 6 yards a carry. Didn't get in the end zone, but an overall great game for old Adrian and stuff. As we continue to move on, not the best games in the world, but hey, we'll talk about them a teeny tiny bit. Oh, wow. A couple of interesting ones, I suppose. Houston 20-13 to over the Buffalo Bills. So Houston Texans starting to 
get things in order. Uh, Deshaun Watson kind of getting his rhythm back, getting his timing back, and he's, well, he's, he's hanging in there. And Houston Texans, some people actually picked them to win the division, maybe some point. I don't know. We'll just kind of let that kind of catch up, I suppose. The L.A. Rams actually barely beat the Broncos. They were doing pretty well at one point. So we'll look at a former Viking watch here again. This time it's going to be Case Keenum, of course. Yeah, we always like to keep up with him. And Case Keenum's going against another former team, the Los Angeles Rams. So interesting. The Rams are now three, or excuse me, six and zero. Oh. Case Keenum got to play in the first season in Los Angeles. He played some time in St. Louis and all that. 91.7 quarterback rating, another interception. So interception pretty much every week. Uh, Jared Goff actually had a pretty lousy game, and that's why the uh, Rams didn't really beat up on the Broncos. The Broncos' defense is supposed to be good, and they were good. And, well, if Jared Goff didn't do well, who did? <laughs> Todd Gurley, 208 yards, 7.4 a carry. See, his long, his long is 29. That's good and all, but that just shows you how freaking dominant Todd Gurley was to get 200 yards if the longest thing he did the whole game was 29 yards. I mean, that just means bada bing, bada boom. I mean, he's going eight, nine yards a carry over and over and over again. You really can't do anything about it. Like, it's all over, basically. Jared Goff literally completing only half of his passes, 14 of 28. One interception, no touchdowns. He was sacked five times by a pretty, pretty tough Denver defense. And Case Keenum did pretty well against the team that he beat in a you know, rock 'em sock 'em type of game last year. More or less, the Vikings defense rocked and socked Jared Goff and the and the uh, <laughs> L.A. Rams, and uh, shut down Todd Gurley pretty nicely and Cooper Cup and all that. Not quite the case this year, but the Vikings offense a lot sexier. Uh, case Keenum though, 322 yards. That's pretty respectable, to be quite honest. And only was sacked twice, but that's what Case Keenum does. He escapes and all that. So solid overall performance for Case Keenum but not good enough to beat the Los Angeles Rams in what once was Mile High Stadium. Now it's Bronco Stadium, and of course it's a different building. So <laughs> we'll just kind of keep going from that. Uh, uh, yeah, I like to dream in the past, I guess. But, well, there's a couple more to go. Dallas Cowboys 40-7 to over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Boy, the last two weeks for the Jaguars have not been good. And to think the Jaguars beat the crap out of the New England Patriots, what, two, three weeks ago? They beat the crap out of the Patriots. And what the hell? They just got walloped by the Cowboys. Okay, 40-7. Uh, to 7. That's pathetic. Might as well look at that very, very briefly considering what kind of a crazy day it was for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, the best guy, when you look at your top guy on the team at 38 yards and a touchdown for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Dak Prescott overall 80 yards and 80 yards rushing, 200 yards passing. Kind of an overall nice game for him. Only one interception for Blake Bortles. I would have thought he would have stung even more. But, well, it just kind of is what it is. Last week, Zeke Elliott had, Ezekiel Elliott anyway, had almost 300 total yards. Well, he was still pretty damn good, over 100 yards in terms of rushing, but only 11 receiving. So it's definitely not the dominant crazy game that Ezekiel Elliott had last week. But still, Cowboys just running all over the, uh, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and was never a game, honestly. It was just a blowout pretty much right away. Not a very entertaining game to watch uh, after the Vikings. Either had the Vikings post-game shows all over the place on TV and on radio, or you got to see the Cowboys and the Jaguars. and That was kind of, you know, that <laughs> was not a pretty sight. Baltimore 21-0 to over the Tennessee Titans, and it's kind of like need I say more. Just an overall good game for the Baltimore Ravens, and quite frankly, good on the Baltimore Ravens for that. 
let's uh, look at the Chicago Bears, the Monsters in the Midway, heading to Miami. How did things turn out for the Chicago Bears? Are the Vikings in first place now? Well, the Vikings are closer to first place anyway. It's kind of like a tie, sort of. It's a tie because the Vikings have a tie, but the Bears did lose a game in the division, so in a lot of ways I almost consider the Vikings the first place team because of that. The Vikings did not lose in Green Bay, and the Bears did, so... Yeah, it's kind of weird and strange, but that's basically how it goes. Brock Osweiler, the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. Yes, it was in Miami, and it's easier to it's, it would be easier for the Chicago Bears to win in Chicago, Soldier Field, than in Miami, just because. I mean, it's always nice to be in your home stadium, and Soldier Field, quite frankly, is a tough place to play, especially for the frickin' Vikings most of the time. Yeah, Mitchell Trubisky, very respectable day. Three touchdowns, 71% and all that. Brock Osweiler, though? I mean, I was almost, I almost forgot about this guy after the huge contract with Houston and, of course, ultimately, well, not the, uh, the ultimate huge, gigantic contract with the Cleveland Browns and got cut before you know it. Well, he was good. He wasn't better than Mitchell Trubisky, but he was good enough. And the Miami Dolphins win in overtime over the Chicago Bears. That's crazy. Nice little comeback there. Uh, Miami was actually leading, and then the Bears caught 28 points in the second half, 21 of them in the third quarter. You think, well, the Monsters of the Midway are ready to rock and roll here. Ultimately, not the case. Not the case at all. <laughs> Quite shocking. Frank Gore, future Hall of Fame running back. Frank Gore, over 100 yards today on only 15 carries. That's insane. Just awesome. Awesome day for Frank Gore, turning back the clock on his old San Francisco 49ers days. This guy, I mean, he's still hanging in there, and he's like fifth all time, which is insane when you consider the guys that are ahead of him overall right now. The guys that are ahead of him on the all-time rushing list, you know, I mean, it's the big four. I mean, we're talking Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith, and Mr. <clears throat> I'm starting to forget, uh, Curtis Martin. Yep, and it's just like, holy cow. I mean, Frank Gore is like way, way, way up there, so without a doubt, he's a future Hall of Famer. Amazing overall career for him and longevity, and well... Even though he was never, like, spectacular, he was consistent every single year, and the guys just still got it, and I got a ton of respect for him. So, good on Frank Gore, and wow, I mean, awesome to see the Miami Dolphins get the job done. Frank Gore with about 300 yards since, uh, at least after today's game, but what a hell of a career for a guy in Frank Gore. 14,300-plus yards in his career after today's game. He even had 900 yards last year, almost 1,000, 1,000 yards the year before that, just you just look at his career numbers. Only his second season, he was dominant. Per se, almost 1,700 yards. But other than that, it was like 11 or 1,200 yards. And he just kept doing it every single year since 2005. An amazing run for Frank Gore. And huge respect towards him. Uh, great job by, by Miami being good enough defensively. And <laughs> good enough and solid enough with the running game. Huge win for the Miami Dolphins. They're 4-2. and two, And they're in first place. Can you believe it? They're they're with the Patriots up there in first place in the AFC East. The Patriots have won that division like 11, 12 years in a row. Miami Dolphins knocking on the door, right? They're one of the few teams that actually won the division back in the day. <laughs> they, well, they last won their division in 2000. Well, maybe, maybe here they come. Yeah, with Brock Osweiler leading the way? No. <laughs> Tannehill hopefully will be healthy next week. An incredible job, though, by Miami to survive the Chicago Bears in that situation. So let's talk about next week's opponent, finally. Let's talk about the New York Jets. Let's talk about Sam Darnold and all that, and a team with a, a running game that's kind of dangerous, and Vikings' run defense needs to perform better than it had in previous weeks this year. New York Jets with a respectable 3-3 uh, three and three record, and Sam Darnold 
might, might not have the sexy accuracy per se so far throughout his uh, young career, but today he did, <laughs> 80%. And wow, 280 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. Andrew Luck threw with three interceptions against his Jets defense. I'm a little worried about it. Um, I'm a little worried about going into MetLife Stadium. Obviously, they share it with the uh, New York Giants, of course. Amazing, a city that big can have two teams share a stadium, yet here, who could ever do it with, uh, say, the Wolves in the Wild? That still blows my mind. <laughs> I mean, Staples Center's got, like, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Kings. The second biggest city in the entire U.S. You had Minnesota. We can't even have the Timberwolves and, and North Stars, not the Wild, in the in Target Center. <sighs> Strange. I mean, they can figure it out in that city, but not here. A city with all with way more money than us. And they can figure that out. <laughs> it's pretty weird. But I suppose, <clears throat> I suppose, I mean, they can figure it out. But I guess, you know, there's an advantage on the other side. Their New York team, the New York market, they're going to make money regardless if they share a stadium or not. Unbelievable. Uh, I don't know why I went off on that mini rant there. But um, a, a, a decent running game by the New York Jets. They had some huge numbers a few weeks ago. Belial Powell and Isaiah Crowell, two guys that have gotten the job done in the past, they combined for about 100 and, uh, well, about 100 yards actually today. <laughs> Nothing more than that. Didn't get in the end zone, but we're solid. <clears throat> Got the job done. It's basically a good, solid, balanced running attack by the New York Jets when you consider they're sixth in the league in rushing. I mean, they're, they average about 135 yards a game. Not bad at all. You have Terrell Pryor, who's kind of, uh, well, obviously he's a hybrid. He used to be a quarterback with the Oakland Raiders. Pretty crazy when you think about that. Had a great season with uh, Cleveland a few years ago as a wide receiver. Had a solid day today. But uh, you look at Crowell and, and Bowell. And Powell, Crowell and Powell. Powell has averaged about 4.5 yards a carry. <clears throat> 264 yards before today's game. So it's probably a little over 300. Same with Crowell now. He's pushing, well, about 450-ish. Crowell's averaging 6.8 yards a carry. So this is definitely something to worry about. It's a New York Jets offensive line that's at least helping with the running game. They're good enough to get the job done. Sam Darnold's dangerous. So this is not going to be some kind of an easy win at all. Uh, Vikings have their work cut out for them when you consider what we're up against. And, well, history is on the New York Jets' side. So Shall we sit back? Shall we go down memory lane? Shall we go down memory lane? Way back in the old days, like I, you know, and cause that, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, how often do we beat the Jets? And it's like, it, it's not very often, is it? I remember that awful game, Brett Favre in, in New York in 2010. Now, of course, the Vikings stunk that year. I remember way back in the mid-90s, Robert Smith, <clears throat> um, Dennis Green had the Vikings run the ball forward when Brad Johnson had been torching the Jets all day, but we were losing. Instead, we... I, I, Instead, we elect to run the ball and get stopped, and the game's over, and we lose. And I just cursed my head off, and my mom was very upset at me for that. And, yeah, that's what took place. So, let's look at the record. 8-2 and two overall. November 29th, 1970, New York Jets win in New York. Don't think it was MetLife Stadium or anything. In fact, it might have been... Uh, Pan America. No, I don't know. Uh, who knows? It was way back in the day, though. New York Jets win 20-10. to 10. God, 2010, that's good. The Minnesota Vikings beat the New York Jets in 1975. There's your first win against the Jets. The Vikings were 500 against the Jets. And then when I was about three months old, New York Jets beat the Vikings 14-7 to in a beauty. October October 15, 1979 in New York land and in, in the Metrodome already. So the, the days of the Met were already over, if you can believe that. Vikings only played the Jets 
three times in 12 years. But I suppose when you look at the history, it makes sense. Again, th- this is only the 11th meeting between these two teams since 1970. It's going back, uh, turning back the clock. But yeah, 1982 in the Metrodome. Merry Christmas, Minnesota. You're hosting the New York Jets. Let's go, baby. Oh, 42-14 to t- 14 Jets. 42-14 to 14 Jets. Lord. <laughs> 1994, who could forget that one? Promising team, sort of, and they lose by 10 points. And uh, yeah, I remember that one. Warren Moon had an awful game. Threw some, threw multiple interceptions. Just a bullcrap game. I was irate as the Vikings were falling down very quickly. The Vikings were seven and two, and they were seven and five at that point, if I remember correctly. Just miserable performance. Thirty-one to twenty-one in the Metrodome in '94. The Vikings and the Jets hadn't played each other for twelve years. So I was talking about three times in 12 years. How about how about once? <laughs> Mere three years later, the, the Jets, yep, that was the one where I was cursing at the television. Dennis Green's uh, play calling was questioned. He was extremely pissed off and cursing back at the Vikings, uh, excuse me, at the uh, Star Tribune or whatever, Pioneer Press reporters and television reporters when they asked him, what were you thinking on that play? And he basically said, you guys have been attacking me forever, blah, blah, blah. I don't give a S what you think. He basically said that they had to bleep him out. So at that point, the Vikings had lost four games in a row to the Jets, dating back to 79. So 2002, Minnesota gets beat by the Jets 20-7 to in a pretty lame season. The 2 Vikings were not impressive. The 6 Vikings were not impressive, 20-13. to The 2010 Vikings managed to get within nine points. And I remember Percy Harvin had an insane game because Randy Moss was like the world's greatest decoy because he couldn't do little else at that point for some reason. Just because everything stunk. I mean, the Vikings were unhappy. Everybody hated Childress. Moss was way past his prime. And, well, Bill Belichick knew it. (laughs) And, yeah, and he got a fourth-round pick for Moss in that that, uh, season. And then the Vikings beat the Jets for the first time since 1975 in an overtime victory in the 2014 season. Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is 1-0 against the New York Jets. So that's the hope that the Vikings can, well, get two wins in a row against the New York Jets. It took, it took, twin, uh, no, not, it took 39 years for the Vikings to win two games against the Jets. 39 years. So, can the Vikings get their second win in uh, four years, in a four-year span, and the second win in a row? It only took 39 years last time. So, hey, let's do it. Let's stop this Crowell-Powell combination, the owl, the owls, or the, the wells, or whatever you want to call them, Crowell and Powell. Belial Powell and Isaiah Crowell. It's a nice combination. It's a good running game. And I remember, again, weeks ago, I talked about it, and I was very impressed Sam Darnold's numbers, not the greatest ever, but he was, his percentage, a lot higher than it had been so far. Leading into today's game, 55%, seven touchdowns, six interceptions on the year, and he has not, he had one fumble, but he didn't lose it. Again, the other running backs, again, Crowell has not fumbled at all, and, and Powell fumbled once, and he did lose it. So that's something to think about. So, okay, hopefully the Vikings can uh, go Sam Darnold into interceptions. That's the hope. Uh, well... You got the Vikings defensive line. You got the three technique. You got this guy. You got that guy. Linval Joseph, who was dinged up late in the game, by the way. I think he's okay. He wasn't. He was putting plenty of pressure on his leg. He wasn't being helped off too much. Just kind of, kind of, you know, gingerly walking off the field, but nothing super bad. So, well, Linval Joseph. If put it this way, if Linval Joseph is hurt and he's not going to play. Okay, I think we're going to lose the game. If Linval Joseph is healthy, well, the Vikings' chances obviously way, 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 way better. 
I don't think there's. I think it's a borderline, almost impossible win if the Viking if uh, Joseph is out, and that's not because I don't believe the Vikings' offense is awesome, but well, the Jets' defense can create turnovers. They can frustrate you, and it's just kind of been that way forever. That's just kind of who they are. Uh, Leonard Williams has three sacks on the year. Lots of it's kind of a total team thing. Anderson and Jenkins, both of those guys, two and a half uh, sacks, this and that. Uh, Avery Williamson has two sacks. Uh, well, there's one pick six on the year so far for Darren Lee. You got two interceptions for Darren Lee, so that's a guy to worry about. Multiple interceptions, though, throughout the year uh, for the New York Jets. They have they have seven interceptions on the season, and again, one of them was a pick six. It's an overall decent defense. They get the job done for the most part. Uh, it's, you know, it's not going to be an easy victory. And again, history. Sometimes history just kind of is what it is, even though it's a completely different year. And how can you look at it that way? Well, you kind of do sometimes. I mean, let's do something then. Let's prove it. Let's see what you can do out there, guys. And that's, uh, well, that's the best way to look at it at this point. It's a good, solid running game. Again, like I keep saying, it's kind of old school in a sense (laughs) when you sit down and think about it. New York Jets' overall defense is 8th in the league, and that's overall. Do you look at the uh, their run defense? Well, again, it could be Latavius Murray again. It's certainly not Arizona bad. They gave up 142 a game coming into this week. New York Jets average about 108 a game. If I'm Yep, no, 105 a game so far. That's how much they give up. So, well, I mean, they're kind of middle of the league when it comes to that. Their pass defense, well, it's kind of middle of the road as well. It's just their overall defense has been solid. The New York Jets, 266. So, I mean, obviously the Vikings defense is solid. New York Jets, well, again, they forced three interceptions on Andrew Luck today. So that's 10 interceptions. They'd be tied with Miami if, yeah, if no one else played. But you get the idea. New York Jets, they get they force turnovers, and that's going to be a fear. So Vikings need to protect the ball. I mean, they need to protect the ball. That's a big thing. New York Jets have forced eight fumbles on the season. Eight. So, again, turnovers. They have forced fumbles. Doesn't mean the team's lost the ball, but the fact they forced it, uh, well, you have a better chance of recovering the ball if it's been forced out. So, again... Common sense thought process there. New York Jets are in the second, are in the upper half in every single category defensively for the most part. So again, protect the football and well, just continue to continue to be road warriors. Obviously, establish the run like you did with Latavius Murray. And if again, if Delvin Cook is out there, if it's working, it's working. If it's not, then again, pray to God that things can be things can work out with Latavius Murray. The pass defense. It's beatable, but it's not going to be that easy. Again, it's just got to be smart, protect the ball, and most importantly, though, most importantly, above all else, the Vikings offense is going to have this and that to deal with. But how about the Vikings defense forcing turnovers on Sam Darnold? That's the hope. Those running backs don't really fumble the ball. Uh, Sam Darnold, though, he, he, he throws interceptions. He's got seven already, though. So that's something to think about in about four weeks. So four weeks so so far for Sam Darnold. Seven interceptions, so it's, uh, again, extremely important for the Minnesota Vikings' success against the New York Jets to uh, get the job done in about five weeks, pardon me, with Sam Darnold so far at this stage. So that's the hope. Got to get the, got to force the turnovers. And again, well, simply beating history, this and that. I'm sure the Vikings' offense will be successful. If they can establish the run, then that will really, really help, obviously. 
it's a better it's it's not as bad of a run defense uh, as Arizona, but it's still beatable. It's beatable, and again, you're less likely, hopefully, to turn the ball over. Latavius Murray's generally pretty good at protecting the ball compared to well some of the others in the past. Uh, Delvin Cook has been a fumbler, of course, uh, and well the interceptions. The New York Jets get interceptions. They've kind of always had a team like that that forces turnovers. So that's the fear going in. I don't know where to go with this. Can the Vikings win two in a row against the New York Jets? I like the momentum of the team. I like the way the Vikings play on the road. So I do think the Vikings beat the New York Jets. It's going to be something. We're going to have to hope a a Zimmer type of game. 28-24 or more like 24-20 type of game. 24-20, Minnesota will beat the New York Jets. I think Latavius Murray knocks on the 100 again. He'll, he'll be around 90 to 100 yards, particularly if he's the featured back. And I don't think Delvin Cook is going to be rushed back into play. Um, I, I really don't. If he plays, it's going to be limited. Maybe he'll share the carries of Latavius Murray. But if Latavius Murray is the uh, the leading guy, you're, you're going to want more of a smash mouth, old school kind of running back, I think, against this team. Protect the football, this and that. Protect the football, move the chains. And then again, obviously... Well, the good news is Kirk Cousins is accurate. He knows where to put the ball, this and that, and the receivers know how to get open. That's, again, a huge plus, and I do believe that's why the Vikings can and will beat the New York Jets. If I didn't have faith in Kirk Cousins and, of course, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, then I think it would be something, I think it would be a nasty game. Like, say, if I put it this way, if Case Keenum was the Vikings quarterback, they'd probably lose the game. You'd probably see a pick six at some point. You'd probably see the second pick six of the season for the Jets, and it would be more like 28-24 to 24 in favor of the New York Jets. 27-24, something like that. Um, but I will have the Vikings winning a smash-mouth, old-school kind of game where you'll be biting your nails all the way till the, till the, uh, till the victory formation, basically. But the Vikings will win in New York. And, well, <laughs> start preparing for the New Orleans Saints. And that's about basically where we stand. So, 24-20, Minnesota. With that, we'll take a break, come back for some fan interaction. And we are back for the final segment, segment number three, fan interaction here on Purple Mafia. Thank you again for joining me so very much. No call-ins today. I think it's back-to-back weeks of no call-ins, and that's okay. I mean, I miss you guys. I'm not going to lie about that. Disappoint. Oh, 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 okay. I was about to say I was disappointed that the Red Sox were losing 4-2. to two. Well, they're winning 5-4 to four now. So that's nice. Okay. Yeah, I like the Houston Astros, but I like the Red Sox more. You know, you know how I like the Patriots and all that. So it's kind of a Boston party tonight, you could say. Boston uh, Red Sox and New England Patriots. So that's kind of cool. Got to root for both of them, I suppose, right? <laughs> Let's get to the point. At Purple Mafia Show is the Twitter account. Thanks again very much for those of you that do indeed follow it and have retweeted the show recently. Malcolm McSween joining in. Um, Tanae Brown retweeted the most recent show. Tanae Brown out of New Zealand. James Beck out of the UK. Vince Germano and Malcolm. uh, Yep, Vince Germano out of Australia and Malcolm McSween out of Southern California. Thank you guys very much for retweeting the most recent show and liking and all that. That is awesome. 612 Brew followed me, so that's interesting. Hmm... Hmm, the plot thickens. Maybe I could get them as a sponsor. 612 Brew. Hmm, hmm. 612, we all know that area code. Look at the background on their uh, Twitter account. It's pretty. looks pretty similar if you live here in the Twin Cities. It's the Minneapolis skyline. So, 
Yep, local brewery, so maybe, maybe. They followed Purple Mafia. Very cool. Let's continue. Uh, Mad Martin out of Northern Scotland says, Last game in the comfort of my loft for a month. This time next week, Met Life Stadium. That sounds familiar. It sounds like the stadium I was talking about in the last segment. What are you doing at MetLife Stadium, Mad Martin? Are you are you getting insurance? No, I don't. Think, <laughs> nope, you're just telling telling the Vikings offensive line to please protect Kirk Cousins. Uh, that'll be some nice insurance and the defensive line to help stop that running back duo in New York. They're not the sexiest thing in the world, but hey, they get the job done. It's blue collar football there in New York, and they're they're doing a good job. <sighs> Sorry for interrupting you, Mad Martin. He says next week. MetLife Stadium, and then on to Minneapolis for the Lions in November. Buzzing, brother. Yeah, very exciting, and that's a nice long vacation, and I hope you enjoy the heck out of it. Very cool. Very cool. Maybe it's some of it's on business as well, possibly. I'm not sure completely, but uh, interesting. Interesting. It would be cool to... It would be cool to, to hear from you, Mad Martin, at some point, dear, coming up. That's that's neat. I wish November wasn't so damn busy for me, but hmm, maybe maybe we'll we'll uh, we'll hook up something at some point there. Mad Martin says, uh, "Yeah, November sucks so bad." Let's continue. He says, "After the Bills game, I'm taking nothing for granted, my brother." And yeah, that was talking about the uh, Arizona game coming up today. Yeah, luckily the Vikings didn't completely fall apart today, and they really didn't. They took charge in that third quarter. Fourth quarter, not so much. Mad Martin is wondering if uh, Delvin Cook is a bust. Kind of. I mean, not really, but kind of with the injuries and such. And, you know, now it's the, the hamstring. Of course, the ACL was what it was. Now it's the hamstring, and, and it's just, mm, I don't know. And you wonder, really, if the knee's completely right, is if he's got all the confidence and the timing back. Not yet. Uh, Mad Martin says Cousins with the Brad Johnson competition completion there. Yeah, Brad Johnson completion, wobbly stuff. Would have been great if they converted, and that's, yeah, that's too bad. And of course, yes, the completion to himself as well. Uh, nice drive and a rushing touchdown. Yep, a miracle. That was cool. The nice, that was the stiff arm right there from um, Octavius Murray. Mad Martin says horrendous blocking. Yep, that was again the, the, the fumbling and all that, giving up huge yardage. Going to be another long game to watch, me thinks. These fumbles are bl- are a bleeping issue. Struggling against a one and four team is disappointing. It's going to kill me. Depressing. Protection is garbage, and Kirk needs to start sensing pressure. And yep, we we're going to keep saying it until he does. He did try to step up on one of them, but it was too little, too late. And that was actually the one he fumbled in. Was when he tried to step up. He says yet again, playing down to the opposition's level, starting to look like a rerun of 2016 with an O line that cannot protect shit. Yep, without a doubt. Without a doubt, he says better 140 plus rush, better 140 plus rushing yards and two touchdowns beyond expectations. But this O line still makes me want to scream at times. And I don't blame you with that. I don't want to see the prevent defense rolling out for the rest of the game. What the hell? Brock Osweiler has three scores at 320 yards against an elite Chicago defense. I don't get this league. And yeah, the Chicago defense is back to what it should be again. Could call this game the good, the bad, the ugly. That's an interesting uh, thought process. Yep, <laughs> Adams on course to match the record. Mm. Yep, yep. The O-line still bad. Oh, yep, you mean Adam Thielen. Yep, again, to match the record. Yep, the O-line still bad and injuries are worrying. But 3-2-1, and one, top of the north. And it is funny, all 3-2-1, right? It's like, it's like counting down to something. Big part of history, Adam Thielen. Thank you for liking that tweet, Malcolm McSween. So that's the Twitter account. Thank you guys so much 
for being a part of that. Mad Marn is the awesomest. Thank you again for that. Let's get to the Facebook page. First, I'll give a quick shout-out to MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven, thank you, Trevor Wickerin, the founder and creator of that Facebook page, for allowing me to post links to Purple Mafia on there. I am much obliged to give you a shout-out on this show and encourage my listeners to check out uh, your page and join it and interact on there. It's always very, very much encouraged when you consider that. So, I know a couple things took place during the course of the week. Big part of history, Adam Thielen. Yep, that was earlier... Uh, there was a pop quiz. I got people's info, got people's conversation going there, but we'll go back to the most recent episode. That's usually where we continue off of. Mark Carl, yep, Mark Carlson starts things out here. He says, "When I fly, wait a minute. Oh, this is yep." He says, "When I fly out of Philadelphia this Monday, I will be listening with with proud and stern pride. Fly Eagles, fly!" The finger gesture as we take off. It's for all my family in the Purple Mafia. We are going to we are going hardcore this year. School Purple, Purple Mafia Nation. Mark Carlson out of Iowa. Dave Hickey also out of Iowa says, "Did you go to the game?" Mark says, "No." Anthony, that's Anthony Carlson. Yep, who was in the military in that area. And Amanda and Amanda Carlson, pardon me, hosted a very proper Vikings game from their home. But we did fly back seated next to Eagles linebacker Nathan Gary's mom. Hmm, from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. As we took off, I wanted to say this one is for Millie. Oh, my goodness. And take a picture with my finger. But in the view of the situation, I relented. Yeah, skull Dave Hickey. <laughs> oh, man. That was funny. Vince Germano, out of Australia, says, Go Browns. Of course, he's a Browns fan and a Vikings fan, too. He says, I'm telling him two in a row. That's got to feel good for that overtime win today. Not so good for you, Vince, unfortunately. He says, Yes, sir, which is a Timberwolves explosion type of thing. <laughs> and dare I say, dare I say it, we have finally found a quarterback that we've been searching for. I don't disagree with that at all, to be quite honest. Gerald String out of Nebraska says, Browns are scrappy, and yes, I think they found their quarterback. That was the only other game I watched on the game on Game Pass. They have a stellar D, without a doubt. Mark Carlson wrapping up this section saying, whoops. Nope, he didn't say whoops. He says, I see in the sports section today the stats on the Green Bay game that Green Bay had 30 first downs. Isn't that psycho? 30 first downs, 521 yards of offense, and their loss to the uh, and their loss 23 to 31 to the Lions. And Crosby missed five kicks. Five. Whoa. Lesson lesson here to the Vikings. And I thought that might have been the Vikings story on Sunday. And yeah, I mean, yeah, Bailey missed two. So that's six points that could have been on the board against the Philadelphia Eagles. He did not miss any today, though, and that's always great. So. We'll say pop quiz. Yep, here's my little pop quiz. Are the Vikings played better at home or on the road this year? You know the answer. And yeah, you better know the answer. Damn it. Because that's definitely a uh, theme. Sebastian Barton says neither. Are you sure? Are you sure? Kurt Back says the road. And it's like, yep, they played best yesterday. Yeah. Mark Carlson says, and Sebastian's local here in the Twin Cities. Uh, Mark Carlson says, I don't like losing, but feel more discouraged when they drop a game at home. It's really like an icky feeling. It just leaves you feeling like, uh, you know, you don't have a good feeling when you lose at home. You just feel kind of depressed and down and extremely crabby. Dave Vicky says, I agree with Sebastian, but I have to choose, I say road. <laughs> I have to choose, yep. If I have to choose, I say road. Another another bullshit game we always play down to our competition. Yep, like like Buffalo, the Cardinals have a really good defense, though. Look at me. 
I'm really making excuses for them. I'm guessing Zimmer will have their attention at halftime. And yeah, that was a, yep, yep, that was during that game. And Kurt Back says, freaking hope so frustrating. Yeah, so that was actually in today's game, but he posted it in this thread, and there's nothing wrong with that because it got on the show before anybody else's. <laughs> nice. So we'll look a bit at the end of the uh, in-game thread like I usually type, like to do. Yeah, guys are saying, nice defense, offense better wake up, and how it's been bad, and all that. Yep, Trey Waynes was wonderful. He, did a, he had a nice pass breakup. That was awesome. Josh Mayer Henry definitely mentioning that. Uh, Vikings got lucky on, on a couple there. It was a face mask by Kendricks on one of the sacks of uh, Josh Rosen, and it was not called, so very interesting there. Josh Mayer Henry says, holy shit, that, was, that, was, that sure was a tiptoe catch. For sure a tiptoe catch. And then, and then, yep, there was the fumble and the frustration. I was like saying how we can't play at home at all and guys need to bleep and block this and that. Yankee says, love Kirk, but damn, holding on, holding that ball too long and knowing his guys can't hold the line. And yeah, exactly. Like, it's too long. Um, but generally speaking, when he does get the ball off, though, some uh, good things tend to happen for the most part, except for that one play. <laughs> Kirk back says, get rid of... Yep, Kurt Back, of course, of White Bear Lake here, and a close friend of mine locally says, get rid of Cook and get an O-line guy. Can we do that? And it's like, <laughs> if it was that easy, right? But, no, oh, I like Cook. I understand the frustration, though, Kurt, of how he just cannot stay healthy, this and that. But hopefully, maybe he will. And, of course, when he is healthy and he's at his top of his game, Delvin Cook is a pretty special player. Might even be a, might even be uh, Kamara-like at some point. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Kurt was, uh, yep, and another bleep call. Justin Mayer, Henry, blah, blah, blah. So we'll keep going down a bit. Some of these are just kind of in-game things. And I know I do that with uh, um, Dave Martin as well at times. Great overall game, though. Uh, yep, that was a spectacular catch by Thielen. I've got a good Thielen about this. I like that from Tony Coleman. That was a good one. <sighs> yep. A Thielen drive. Yep, and Harry the Hitman also threw in a sack. And he's been one of those unsung heroes all season. Is Harry the Hitman? It's like, yeah, he, he's been one of the almost underrated players on the Vikings this year. It's like, see, see, you know, some teams would beat us up the middle, this and that, but the guys that were really getting beat were the cornerbacks during the course of the season, like Alexander and occasionally Trey Waynes and Mike Hughes, God rest his season. Unless, miraculously, it's not, a, uh, it's not an ACL tomorrow with the uh, MRI, but they all pretty much fear it. So, again, it's not official, but probably. Usually when they fear an ACL... It's an ACL because the trainers, they just know. And the player probably knows too. Um, but no, Harry the Hitman, Harrison Smith, for those of you living in a cave the last six years or so. <laughs> unsung hero pretty much most of the season here. Again, most of the gaffes defensively were on the sides. They weren't in the flat as much, and they sure as heck weren't in the middle of the field. They were mostly on the sides. Sometimes in the flat, and that's usually the linebackers in the tight end situation when it's in the flat, this type of situation, when you can get the tight ends out in the flat, um, rather than on some type of a slant play of some sorts. But um, generally speaking, it's been a... Uh, Harrison Smith has been a major unsung hero, and he's had sacks in multiple weeks that helped end the game, particularly Philadelphia, this and that. They really helped the Vikings get in possession to wrap things up. Uh, Harrison Smith, just been spectacular the whole time. He did get beat on one play. You thought he was going to have it, one of those plays down the field, one of those big, big, deep plays. You thought he was going to have it, but it's just one of those situations where it was kind of a little bit of a, a, a little bit of luck and a lot of skill as well with Arizona. 
Nice placement by uh, by uh, Josh Rosen and a good catch as well by the Arizona receiver in that case. I believe that was a, a Christian there, uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll just worry about that uh, later, I suppose, at this point. Um, yep, and the guy was named, was, yep, it was Kirk, all right, but yeah, say shoot. So, Brett McCarthy was saying, would have loved to hear the halftime speech with how things changed so uh, so much. Cedric Paulding, got to mention him, out of Mississippi, says, uh, we need to keep our foot on, 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 the, on the cards next. No let up. And yeah, we hope we did. And eventually it, it got better. Let's play prevent defense, Dave Hickey. That's funny. Uh, so, things kind of, uh, what happened? There should be more in here. That's what I'm kind of confused. But I suppose it all kind of stopped at a point. Yeah, people were getting frustrated with the pass interference calls and such. So let's get to the post-game thought process. It never really got into the post-game. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it kind of bleeds out. But people kind of stopped early on that one, I suppose, because it was kind of getting to a point. The Vikings were ahead by a decent amount. And then, you know, and then things kind of came to an end. I was I posted this big part of history Adam Thielen. It wasn't the prettiest picture ever, but you could kind of see. You know, let's go to let's go to Tony Coleman's post because he was better. He was saying how it's a lot clearer. Charlie Hennigan for the 1961 Oilers, seven games in a row with a hundred plus yards to start the season all time. So one more, one more, go do it against the Jets, and there you go, Bob Boyd of the 1954 Rams. So neither one of them were during the Super Bowl era, of course. 1954 Rams, Bob Boyd, Adam Thielen passed him. Isn't that unbelievable? Interesting image there. <laughs> but yeah, the Houston Oilers. God, I love that name. 1961, Charlie Hennigan. And now Adam Thielen, 2018 Vikings. Man, that's unbelievable how quickly, or no, yeah, how quickly, how long it took to get anywhere near that. It's a, It just shows how remarkable a accomplishment that truly is. Tony Coleman again saying, just a little clearer screen job. Thank you again very much. Tony Coleman out of South Dakota. He should be a star candidate alone for that. Justin Mayor Henry, welcome back. He, he's been hiding, but I suppose it's a luck thing now, right? He, he did that a couple of times last year. He said that would be quite the record to beat. Yep, it would be, really would. 1961, Charlie Hennigan. One more, one more. Just imagine if he got to eight. Oh, my God. Post-game thread, post-game thread. Oh, nope, there's one before that. Oh, one after I'll read the uh, about the ACL first. The talk is Mike Hughes has a torn ACL MRI tomorrow. So, Yankee Zong out of Brooklyn Center says it's never a good thing with those non-contact injuries. And that's what it was, non-contact. He just went down in a heap. Dave Hickey says fudge. Now we have to be relying on Mackenzie Alexander. And Brent Jacobson says I hope not, obviously. Yeah, I hope not either. But we'll just have to wait and see. Ah, Justin Mayer, Henry out of Colorado, says Skull, 3-2-1. Ha ha, yep, he, he loves that number because it's pretty funny. Tony Coleman says History in the Making. I hope they let Adam get to the top of this list, and that would be unbelievable. Uh, Tony continues saying, There were a lot of good things in the game and a lot of sloppy, ugly things in this game. The offensive line still just isn't there. Sacks, quarterback fumbles, block passes, like way too many of those. The block passes, yeah, it was a, it was at least 9, maybe 12 in the game. It it was 9 officially, but it felt like more than that. Sheesh. On the other hand, it was nice to see Murray have some good runs. Of course, watching Adam, Adam and Stefan is really fun this season. I think the thing this team lacks is consistency. You just 
can't rely. You know, excuse me, you just can't really count on anyone to get things done all the time, aside from Thielen, really. <laughs> sometimes the defense is a brick wall, and sometimes they're a wet paper bag. Kirk is putting up great numbers, but the fumbles. Yeah, because, you know, Harrison Smith is a great safety, great safety. But sometimes he gets beat because he's a human being. You know, you can be the best bowler in the world, but you're going to miss the pin sometimes. You're going to have an open frame. You can be a, a, a legend. Or you can be David Price, who's a great regular season pitcher, but here comes the playoffs, and yeah, well, look at his playoff record. That's all you got to do. And yeah, David Price's playoff record, not up to par, folks. Not up to par. Let's go back to where I was. Tony Coleman's uh, final sentence here says, anyway, overall, this was a fine win. Or second final, right? <laughs> he says, the good outweighs the bad for sure. Third. God, that's funny. But the bad keeps me from being overly confident. Which I suppose isn't a bad thing. Very nice. Uh, thank you, Tony. That was uh, that was really, really nice. Definitely a star candidate. And of course, coming to my rescue there with that blurry doggone picture. I apologize. Oh, God. Cedric Paulding says, 100-yard rusher and receiver. I'll take that, Skull. Wasn't that, wasn't, wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that amazing, Cedric? Dave Hickey says, another nail-biter that shouldn't have been. Yeah, yep, I agree. This is probably how I'd die someday, watching a Viking game or a Hawkeye game. Uh-huh. The Gophers, that just might send you into depression, because every time you think, every bleeping time you think, here we go, things are going positively, maybe we'll have some type of a shot at this. You force, I mean, you stop the team on the fourth down and all that yesterday against Ohio State. You complete a really nice pass. You get downfield on the first play. The next play, you get downfield again, and the guy bleeping fumbles the ball. I mean, what the hell can you do to steal a line from Jerry Burns? <laughs> this time, he fumbles the ball. Well, what the hell can you do? Yeah. I should download that, and I wish I could capture that and get that on the show. Rather, oh, man, that would be a cool, get get good audio on that somehow. Would be, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mike Feller, Stu Evans, welcome back again. I love, I love hearing from you. He says, uh, now that's more like it. Some mistakes by Cousins, but he has proven to be sharp, and the chemistry between Adam and Stefan and Kirk is obvious. And the defense played well today. Granted, it was Arizona, but we will see what happens next week against the Jets. They won again. Yep, the Jets won again, and it's not going to be easy. Good thoughts there, Mike Stu, uh, Mike Feller, Stu Evans. Uh, yeah, I think he should get a star. Eric Boster, Debbie says 3-2-1. and one. I think we're ready to blast off so long as we fix protection issues. And yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. I hope so. It's going to be a tough game next week, I think. That's the unfortunate part. But uh, that just kind of is what it is. And if you're a good team, you're going to go there and win. Just like the Vikings last year went into Atlanta and won. The Atlanta Falcons are the defending NFC champions. And they were still a good team last year. A lot of people thought they were going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. And they just about did. And if they did, history would have been completely different because there's your Super Bowl champion not winning the Super Bowl. In fact, not even getting to the NFC title game. Interesting thoughts, indeed. Thanks again, guys, for all of your contribution. I can't thank you enough. So it's time to pass out the stars and wrap up the show for this week. Gold star, it's always tough. It's always uh, fun. Tony Coleman's going to get the gold star. Mark Carlson's going to get a gold-plated silver star this week. Awesome, awesome, awesome contribution. Awesome contribution at the beginning there and such and throughout the throughout all the time and how you travel to Philadelphia. That was kind of cool. Didn't actually go to the game, but uh, we're around there enjoying th- time with your son and, uh, well, being local there. Uh, 
in the uh, Philadelphia area, watching the Vikings in Philadelphia. That must have been pretty cool and great timing, of course, and I'm sure that was planned out that way. I, I think it was. But Mark, always always just a wonderful person, and thank you again so very much for your contribution over the years. <sighs> so, I mean, great, com- great conversation from all of you guys. Mike Feller, Stu Evans, and Dave Hickey should ring in the uh, Bronze Stars this week. Mike Feller, Stu Evans, and Dave Hickey will ring those in this week. Awesome, awesome conversation from you guys. Again, always fun. Thank you for interacting and being thought-provoking. And you know what? Every one of you is. Every single one of you. Even if you didn't get a star, it doesn't mean you're not thought-provoking. I mean, I mean, all, all of you. And of course, uh, Mad Martin's always a star. It always is. Star, gold star, bronze star, silver star. And other, other, you know, so many of you deserve stars, and I always feel bad not giving everyone a star, but if I did, the value wouldn't be the same, this and that. So it's nice to, you know, it's nice to recognize all of you for what you do. Um, some of you are sure surefire Hall of Famers, <laughs> and others are, are too new for that, but eventually you'll get there, so to speak. So with that thought process, we'll just kind of look into next week. Hopefully the Minnesota Vikings can beat the New York Jets. It's going to be a challenge. It is. It's it's never anything you could just get the green marker out and write W. You gotta you you gotta wait, man, on this one. You gotta wait if you're going to write it, write it in pencil because well, the Buffalo game that would really look really bad if if you did that. Let's stay away from that red marker, but boy oh boy, history tells you it's going to be a history making game. Uh, Vikings winning in New York for the first time ever, winning against the New York Jets on the road for the first time ever would be quite an amazing thing, and let's keep the Adam Thielen uh, record continuing here. He's, uh, yep, he'll be the, well, he's the best all-time in the Super Bowl era. Let's be the best all-time, all-time, by tying the uh, the old man there for the Houston Oilers, Charlie Hennigan. Charlie Hennigan looks like a tight end to me, number 87 there, and a bigger guy back in the 1961 days. Man, 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 that was the Vikings' first season in existence. And the Los Angeles Rams of 1954, Bob Boyd. That is a long bleeping time ago. And a pretty cool logo, too. Pretty cool. So with that, I will now shut up and wish all of you a nice, beautiful, blue sky fall week. It's finally here. At least if you're semi-local at Twin Cities, or at least kind of local here in the Midwest, we're going to be seeing some blue skies this week. Not this dang rain. And those of you that complained about the snow... Well, it's already gone, and here comes the blue sky for the rest of the week. It, it, it's coming. You might see some clouds early, but as the week progresses, and as you're, well, watching the game next week, not attending the game, you're going to see some beautiful blue skies, some 50 degrees. I, I can't wait. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be a beautiful fall day, and the little halftime stroll outside will be uh, very enjoyable, <laughs> rather than just kind of staying indoors and wondering what else to do. If it's a little bit too cold and windy. So, all right. So with that, wishing you all a nice, safe, and fun week. Skull Vikings. Get to 4-2-1. and one, Whatever that means, right? 4-2-1. <laughs> and, and keep having fun. 